Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, come on, everybody. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands and give Jesus. My God, you sound good on a Tuesday night. Woo, hallelujah. I want you just to remain standing for a moment. Just remain standing for a moment. Pastor Chad told me I could take as long as I wanted to to preach tonight. So we're going to be here, you know, about 2 o'clock in the morning. We'll be... Hey, just relax, smile. I'm just playing with you. I'm only going to keep you till one o'clock, all right? I am so deeply humbled and honored to be here tonight. And I mean that I've had the privilege of traveling to so many different places over the years, but I believe in divine appointment and divine connection, divine relationship. And when Pastor reached out to ask me if I could come, I just felt my spirit, I needed to be here. And I'm walking in tonight, I just knew immediately that this is a God ordained and God appointed moment for me, for you. Don't believe that? My, my wife and I, we had, we had the privilege of meeting your pastors for the first time just a few months ago. And as you mentioned, we have many mutual friends. So I think for years we'd heard of one another and knew of one another, but we're able to make that personal connection just a few months ago. And I wish my wife was here because she would just, she would confirm what I'm saying to you on the ride home that night. We were just overwhelmed by how sweet, sincere, how humble, how genuine and authentic this man and woman of God are. Uh, but they're also like street level ninja, pastor, leader, incredible vision. I mean, look at what God is doing in your church because of the leadership and the vision. And I want to tell you, I wanted to tell you that right away, within like three minutes of talking to them, they just kept talking about you guys and good stuff too. They love you. And sometimes when you meet pastors, they don't love their church. I'm just being honest with you. And it was awesome to see how much they love you and how much they believe in you and how proud they are to be leading you and shepherding in this season, in this time of your life. You have been blessed with a man and a woman of God who truly, genuinely are shepherds because they love you and they have neglected and abandoned their own agenda to find the will and the purpose of God for your life. You don't find leaders like this very often. This is a rare gift. A lot of people can preach. A lot of people can build churches, but very few leaders can build people. And I want you to put your hands together and honor your pastors tonight. And I mean, scream, whistle, jump, fall out, pick yourself back up, <laughs> but give them a big hand. And my first time being here, I feel so warm and welcome and at home, even though it is freezing outside. I grew up in Northwest Ohio, but about 14 years ago, God delivered me and put me in one of the hottest places in the world. And I got out of the plane today. I said, this weather feels so amazing. It's so nice to feel the cold air on my face. And by the time I got to the car, I was rebuking the demon called cold weather. Come on, I'm ready to go back to Florida tomorrow. I'm gonna preach tonight, but I'm going back to warm weather tomorrow. Would you throw both your hands up in the air? Come on, this is a sign of our worship, but it's also a sign of our surrender. If you wanna pray out loud, 
loud, pray out loud with me, but I want you to put some prayer in this room because the Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And I'm believing tonight with hands lifted and your mouths opening, filling this room with your praise, filling this room with your worship that God is going to do something amazing. He touched marriages last night. May he touch the ones that hid from him last night. I pray for healing to come in your heart, healing to come in your body. Revival is not coming to this church. Revival is here. That means healing is here. Deliverance is here. Power is here. Restoration is here. And Father, we celebrate tonight your goodness and your mercy. Do what you want to do. Touch us. Just don't let us leave this place the same way we came. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Would you give God the biggest shout you've given him? All night, give him praise. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I feel so comfortable and feel so at home. And I just feel like we've known each other, even though it's only been for a few minutes. So I want to let you know that I am a very expressive preacher. I am prone to spontaneous burst of enthusiasm. So I'm warning you that when I talk about Jesus, I sometimes get a little bit happy. But it's okay because I'm around a bunch of other fanatical people because you don't come to church on a Tuesday night without being just a little Jesus crazy. Amen. I want to actually do something that I don't do often on the road. I want to put a title on this message. And uh, the title of the message is simply this. This isn't what you promised me. A few people were ooing and eyeing. The rest of you, I'm coming for you. <laughs> this message, I warn you, will require you to demonstrate a measure of spiritual and emotional integrity. And what I mean by that is there has to be the honesty that comes from examining that there's some promises that God has given you in your life. Whether they have come directly through his word or if they've been spoken from this stage or spoken by a man or woman of God over your life, we all have things God has promised that have not happened the way we've wanted them to happen. All the honest people needed to shout there. Sometimes they don't happen when we want them to happen. I need my honest people to stay with me. And sometimes they just haven't happened at all. If you're living and breathing and hearing my voice tonight, I can almost guarantee you that at some point in time, you've at least felt like saying to God, this isn't what you promised me. No one's shouting, but I'm going to help you tonight. Because when you look at your marriage, some of you might say this isn't what you promised me. When you look at the condition of your child or you look at the condition of your business, you feel like, God, this isn't what you promised me. But I'm telling you tonight, if you can stand before God in integrity, I believe that he is getting ready to turn your mess into a miracle. And I believe that everything that has been pinned up, held up, and kept back from you during this revival will be released and manifested to you. Before I open up the scripture, I need you to clap and shout and have a spontaneous burst of enthusiasm with me because you believe it's getting ready to shift in your favor. 
Let's go to the word of God tonight. If they could put the scriptures up on the screen for me. I want to look at 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 32 and read to verse 36. It says, when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. And when he went up and he laid on the child, he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out onto the child. And the flesh of the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house, and again went up and stretched himself out on the child, and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Our last verse, verse 36, and Elisha called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman, and he called her, and when she came in, he said, pick up your son. I want you to just clap and thank God for his word. Can you praise him for his word? Allow me for a moment to paint a picture for you. What we just read was the last part of this story. And I want to bring your attention for about five minutes to the first part of this story because it is critical as the foundation to what God does in the end of the story. There is a Shunammite woman who happens to be very wealthy. And I don't know if she was one of these people who stood out on the front porch keeping tabs on everyone as they went by. She could have been a nosy neighbor. We all have one or two of those. Maybe you yourself are the nosy neighbor. Hey, shake your head. Come on, everybody. But she observes one day that Elisha, when he traveled, and he traveled often, he was a traveling prophet, and she noticed that often when he would travel, he would use the road that went in front of her house. So one day she works up the courage, she works up the nerve to invite him over to her home. Her and her husband, they want to make him a homemade meal. And maybe even to her surprise, Elisha accepts the invitation and things couldn't have gone any better. The woman and her husband, they put on the spread of all spreads. It's the best food. It's something like I ate for lunch this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Family and friends, thank you, God. Is that what it was? Food, food and friends, whatever it was, it was full of Jesus. Her and her husband put on the best spread, the best food, the best hospitality. Things couldn't have gone any better than what they went. So a few days later, just follow the preacher for about three more minutes. A few days later, the woman and her husband are talking about that night. They're reflecting on some of the moments and the memories. And I can kind of hear them. I'm, I'm putting this in my own version here, but I can hear them somewhat bragging on each other about how well the meal went. I can hear the woman say to her husband, and I need some people to help me here. I hear the woman say to her husband, I'm sorry, husband, but my pasta was better than your steak. <laughs> and I hear the husband say, no, honey, I'm sorry. My steak was, come on, man, was better than whatever you cooked. Come on. It was better than you. Some, some of y'all, I'm, I'm sorry, but this sounds more like my wife and I fussing with one another. I, did, I didn't mean for our stuff to make its way into your revival service. My wife and I love to cook. We're just really competitive. She thinks she's better than me. So they're talking about this meal and they're talking about the things Elisha said, reflecting on some of the incredible things that were coming out of his mouth. And somewhere in this conversation, the woman says to her husband, I have even a better idea than the steak and the pasta. 
It's going to cost you a little bit more money than the meal, husband, but this is a good idea. She says, let's build Elisha his own room. Let's give him his own separate entrance. Let's give him his own key. And that way, when he travels, if he wants to come by and stay for a couple minutes, a couple days, a couple weeks, it's his place. He can do it. The husband says, let's build the room. They build it, and Elisha starts stopping in. And one time when he's there, he says to the woman, you've built this place for me. You've hooked me up. You've been good to me. You've been kind to me. What can I do for for you because me and God were like this. So what can I do for you? She says, I'll tell you what I want, prophet. I want a child. He says, all right, by this time next year, you will have a child. And that's exactly what happened. But as time goes on, the boy is out in the field. He falls and he hurts his head. Something is getting ready to happen in this room. He falls and he injures his head. The injury is so severe, pastor, that he dies from it. And when this boy dies, this story becomes very interesting. Upon hearing of the death of her child, this Shunammite woman saddles up her own donkey. I came to preach something into your spirit. Because this act of saddling up her own donkey is in itself its own message. You're not shouting, but maybe it's because you know the Bible better than I know the Bible. I bet maybe you do. I don't know whether or not it was customary for a woman to ride a donkey in the Bible, let alone saddle up her own donkey. Obviously, there's examples of women riding donkeys. Mary, the mother of Jesus, being the most famous. But I can't tell you whether or not it was customary for a woman to ride a donkey or saddle her donkey in Bible days. But what I can tell you is whether it was customary customary or not, it wouldn't have been for that woman. Can I help you? You want to know why it wouldn't have been customary for her? Because this woman was rich. And one of the definitions of being rich, are y'all ready for this? Means you ain't got to, you don't have to do stuff for yourself when you got money to pay people to do it for you. She had money to have her staff saddle the donkey for her and that would have been the custom but on that day she told the staff I will saddle up my own ride and here is why she did it she was sending a resounding message to the church today that nobody can express desperation on your behalf I need someone to help me your preachers and your pastors cannot do it. Your worship team cannot do it. Your tribe and your crew, your posse, your parents, your kids, they cannot do it for you. You have to express desperation on your own behalf. In other words, you got to learn how to saddle your own donkey. And what I mean by that is you got to learn how to clap your own clap, stomp your own stomp, shout your own shout. Wave your own hand, praise your own praise because I can't express it for you. Your neighbor can't express it for you. You gotta express your own desperation and saddle up your own donkey. I'm taking you somewhere. This woman tells her staff, we're gonna ride up to where Elisha lives. Let's put it in our GPS, 90210 Mount Carmel. We're going to go get him to fix this. 
We're knocking on the door. And I love this. You read it. It's in the text. She tells her staff, don't slow down for me. I don't care if it's because I'm a woman or I'm your boss. We're not hitting the brakes. We're riding fast. And this woman's husband comes running out. Oh, it gets good right here. This woman's husband comes running out. And I'm loosely paraphrasing. But this husband says to his wife, hey, I'm just as desperate as you are. I care about this as much as you do. But he says, you've got to slow down. Watch this, because there are certain rules and certain protocols that preclude you from going and interrupting the prophet when it's not your time and when it's not your season. And so he's telling his wife, as your husband and as the father of this child, I care and I hurt with you, but you have to understand there's a certain way things have always been done. But this woman, I need some help from my women. This woman does what most women do when their husbands give them an instruction. Don't be shy, ladies. Come on. What does she do? Ignored it. Whoop. Out the other ear. But she didn't do it because she's a bad woman with a bad spirit or bad heart. Here is why she ignored her husband's instruction. It is because desperation disregards all the rules. Desperation doesn't know rules. It doesn't know boundaries. It doesn't know protocols because desperation gets you out of season miracles. Stuff you're not eligible for. Stuff you're not qualified for. And before I move on any further tonight, I need to know here in West Virginia do I have anybody that came desperate for what God wants to do in your life I need you to take 30 seconds to get up on your feet and by the stomping of your foot the clapping of your hand the waving of your hand let heaven know I'm desperate and I ain't leaving until I get what I came for shout for 30 seconds and let God know yeah, there you go. Come on, church, let them know I ain't leaving until I get what I came for. Watch this. I'm taking you somewhere. I'm ta- y'all doing good? Yeah. Now that she is in front of the prophet, she has to choose her words wisely. This is her chance. She has an audience with the man who can fix it. And this is what she says to him. Again, I'm paraphrasing. She says, sir, no disrespect intended, but this dead boy laying on his bed is not what you promised me. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not being dishonorable. I'm not rude. I'm not mad at you, prophet, and I'm sure not blaming you. I'm just reminding you of what you promised me because this isn't what you promised me. And if anybody can fix it, it's the one who gave the promise. So let me remind the promise giver, this isn't what you promised me. Sometimes we need to just square our shoulders and let God know with no dishonor, no disrespect, but God, this isn't what you promised me. I don't have no honest Christian shouting with me. 
This isn't the marriage you promised me. This isn't the physical health that you promised me. This isn't the child that you promised me. This isn't what you, and I'm not being dishonoring. I'm not being rude. I'm just crying out to the promise maker because if anybody can fix it, it's the one who gave the promise. This isn't what you promised me. But here's the key. When Elisha hears the report of this death, he sends his servant, watch the preacher, with the mother to pray for the boy. And pastor, he says, take my staff with you. And when you pray for the boy, lay the staff on his head. I need honest Christians for 45 seconds. So Elisha sends Gehazi with the staff and Gehazi places the staff on the boy's head and he prays as he's instructed. And do y'all wanna know what happened? Nothing. Y'all are quiet. But you would shout if you could acknowledge the fact that there were things that you knew in your spirit God told you to do. Oh, you better shout here. Sacrifices you made, people you cut off, decisions you made that cost you everything, and it doesn't feel like God has backed you. This isn't working. So Gehazi comes back and tells Elisha, hey, what you told me to do, I did it, but now not only is this woman telling you it ain't working, I'm telling you it's not working. Well, I'm taking you somewhere. So Elisha says, watch me, follow me. And he takes them into that room and he leaves them outside the door. And Elisha himself goes and lays on the boy. I've been playing and teasing with you. We about to have church right now. He lays on the boy and he breathes breath out of his lungs, out of his mouth into that boy's body. The boy's body warms up. He seven times, thank God he wasn't in COVID. He'd been quarantined 14 days after his death. He sneezes and gets up and starts walking around. This is what we have to deal with tonight. Elisha gives the instruction, take the staff, lay it on the boy's head. Gehazi does it, lays the staff. So why didn't the staff work? Y'all are quiet. Elisha gave the instruction and his instructions always worked. Gehazi followed the instruction. He did everything God told him to do and it didn't work. Why didn't the staff work? It represents power. It represents authority. The staff represents the presence of a shepherd. It represents comfort and guidance. It represents miracles. It was Moses' staff that he smacked the rock with and water came out. The staff he threw down and it turned into a serpent. The staff he used to part the Red Sea. Why didn't the staff work? God was trying to show us that some things will not happen outside of intimacy. Elisha had to lay on that boy and breathe breath from his lungs and mouth into his some things will not happen until the church gets together on Tuesday nights in the middle of the week and says we're not leaving until we have a close encounter. Yeah. 
Do you not understand that God is looking for a church that wants to come beyond just wanting the staff, the power, the glory, the miracles. He's looking for a church that's mature enough to say above and beyond all of that, all we want is you. Because some chains won't break until we get intimate. Some yokes will not break. Some generational curses won't come off until the church has a close. You have in this church an amazing cafe. Yes, I said it. Praise break. I smelled it pulling in. You have comfortable seats. You have a beautiful stage. You have incredible excellence in your worship and in your media department. Your lobby is great. Your facility is great. Everything is great. We pray that you're comfortable and we pray you enjoy coming here and that it's easy for you. But oh my goodness, church, when you come back tomorrow night and when you come back on Sunday, above waiting for your vanilla grande latte with extra whatever, you need to say, God, if I don't get it or whether I do, I'm gonna have an encounter with you. You're gonna hug me. You're gonna wrap your arms around me. Chains are gonna break. Bondages are gonna go. My broken heart heart is going to be healed. My cancer is going to leave my body because I want to be intimate with you. I want to close. Do you know why the church isn't seeing the miracles that we saw when we grew up? Because we're closer to our comfort than we are our convictor. We're closer to our conveniences and our senses than we are the one who died on Calvary. I think on Tuesday night, we need to send a message to heaven that we are a people that just want to be close to Jesus. Would you clap your hands and give him praise? Oh, would you clap your hands and give him praise? We just want to be close to Jesus. If this pandemic has done anything, it's made the hungry hungrier. The thirsty have gotten thirstier. And the lukewarm have gone from lukewarm to cold. And some lukewarm have gotten hot. But let me tell you, in the midst of this mess, the Spirit of the Lord is being poured out without measure. But it's not being poured out to a group of people that don't know how to close a door behind them and get on their belly and get on their face before God and begin to share the same breath that the Spirit put into them, into their circumstance, into their situation, into their dead marriage, into their sick body. And I came to tell you God is going to raise up this church as a prophetic banner and a prophetic beacon. You will be known as a people of glory. You will be known as a people that reflect the countenance of God. I'm looking for hungry people, presence people. I'm looking for people that won't be satisfied without having an intimate connection. I need, over the next few moments, to shift your attention to another woman. Are we doing okay? This woman happens to be in the same chapter, but it's a different woman, a widow woman. A widow woman whose husband's death left her 
not just in difficult places financially, but such a dire place. She was going to have to sell her sons as servants, sell her sons to the creditors. This woman comes to Elisha. I feel the presence of God in this room in need of a miracle. He tells her, what is it that you have in your house? It is amazing to me that what you think is not enough is more than enough. All I have is this little jar of oil. He says, go out and borrow. When you can't find the faith to increase your capacity, hook up with people who have it. In other words, you ain't got the space for what God is getting ready to do. You aren't big enough. So you gotta get hooked up with the church called Bethesda. And he said, once you have linked up with people around you, you have empty vessels. Take the oil that's in yours and begin to pour it out. I've got to stop right there for just a minute because that oil represents so many things. The presence of God, the healing of God, the power of God, the ability of God. But that oil also came from her vessel, which means it can represent our ability to worship. God is looking for a church that is ready to stop pouting and once again begin pouring. He is looking for a people that through desperation, even if what I give ends me and it is the end of what I have in my power and in my own capacity, I will pour out what I have. And as she poured from what she had, you all know the story or you wouldn't be in church on a Tuesday night. Her oil of provision would constantly continue to supply. That oil became, help me Jesus, everything, not the thing, everything that she needed. It became her money, her supply, her debt canceling anointing. It became her Exit from a difficult situation. Oil is God's ability at work in your life to get you out of where you are and through what you're going through and into what it called you 
to be in. That's what oil is. So I left my house this morning at 3.15 a.m., got on a plane and flew to Atlanta and then flew somewhere in West Virginia and got in a car and drove somewhere in West Virginia to come a long way to ask one of the greatest churches in America, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love you all. I came to ask you a question on a Tuesday night revival service midweek. How bad do you really want the oil? Everything I've preached, bringing you right here. Stay with me. I know you got in a car and drove a long way to get here. I know some of you got off work late and got here just in time. And some of you are already wondering, how am I going to get up in the morning and get to work? I'm kind of wondering that myself. I got an early flight. We're all wondering how we're going to. But that's not what I asked you. I didn't ask you about how your work was. I didn't ask you if you got to get up in the morning. I didn't even ask you if you were here on a Tuesday night. I asked you, how bad do you really, 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 really want the oil? No, no, no. People that want the oil are like that other woman who will break rules to get it. People that want oil will get loud and obnoxious and get violent in their praise. They'll shuck and buck. They'll clap and shout when everybody else tells them to shut up they'll scream louder I really really want I came a long way I got up early this morning and I just want to know how bad do you really want the oil all right y'all are with me now y'all are with me do you want to be seated do you want it do you want it do you want it bad enough that you don't care what people around you think Oh, Sister Johnson's getting her blessing again. Get it, Sister Johnson. I'm coming with you. Well, they might think that I'm crazy. You are. You're in church on a Tuesday night. You already are there. Just go ahead and officially celebrate your arrival. I don't care what the doubters say. I don't care what the haters say. I don't care what the people around me, whether they like me or not. I refuse to shut up and not be silenced until I get what I've paid for, what I've cried for, what I've worshiped for, what I've lo I want to know. Do you want the oil? I need to know. This woman had neighbors. She had to borrow those vessels from those neighbors. Now let's not be over spiritual. This woman was a woman, flesh and blood. Don't you think that she wanted to impress her neighbors just like we do? Don't sit there and I, I do not have pride. Yes, yes, you want to impress your neighbors. She had to come to a place, watch this, of both desperation and humility. As she knocked on that door of the first neighbor, all the way to however many doors she knocked on, behind every knock was a sound of desperation, saying, 
I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you all say about me. I don't care if you find out I'm not who I've been pretending to be. I'm desperate. And when you're desperate, you don't really care who knows it. You will never see a revival. You will never see a miracle. You will never see a healing until your desperation eclipses your deficit. The minute your desperate gets bigger than your deficit, cancer will go, bondages will break, and that's why you cannot care who is around you tonight, what they think, what they're saying. I want to know how bad do you really, 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 really want? If I could just have some strings behind me real quick. I'm closing, I promise, but I want some strings behind me real quick. I want to know how bad do you want the oil? Shout at me if you want it bad. Yeah, you all shout it, shout it, shout it. I want the oil, I want the oil. Several years ago, I'm taking you somewhere. I'm going to do something tonight that Pastor Chad, I don't do unless I feel I'm in a house of family. And you'll understand what I mean here in a minute. I'm going to open my heart in a way that I normally don't. But I feel like I'm amongst family tonight. It was several years ago, my wife and I went with a very well-known evangelist. He was doing a service in Columbus, Ohio. He preached one of the greatest messages that I ever heard preached out of Mark 5, the woman with the issue of blood. And it wasn't just one of the greatest messages out of that chapter and that's it was one of the greatest messages I've ever heard period when I tell you the faith in the room I don't know how else to describe it except it felt like hot lava just coming up out of people the presence of God was so thick you could cut it with a knife the worship team begins to play and people spontaneously begin to stand on their feet and they're praising and they're singing and they're worshiping and all of a sudden in the very far back of the room a woman steps out in the middle aisle. Stay with the pastor here. Stay with me. Because I'm telling you, something's breaking in this room. This woman steps out in the middle aisle, and I would not ever make light of anyone's condition. Please know my heart. But it's imperative that you understand the magnitude of what happened. This woman stood out in the middle aisle, and her hands were curled up like this. Her arms were tucked in. And when she would walk, she would swing her leg way out to the right side and she would drag her left leg behind her. When she stepped out into that middle aisle, the ushers and security and the event went to contain her, to calm her. She was being a distraction. And the evangelist saw what was happening and he screamed as loud as he could and told those ushers, get away from her. He said, that's the desperation I've been preaching about. He starts screaming at the top of his lungs to this woman, walk to me, walk to me. And I'm sitting here thinking, have you seen her? She can't walk. 
She's struggling. I mean, it was painful to watch her. And he keeps screaming, walk to me, walk to me. And she's struggling to do so. It felt like five to 10 minutes for her to take just seven or eight steps. She gets to the middle aisle, a little bit past the middle point. And God is my witness. My wife was there. I saw it. Everyone in that room saw it. As she's walking down that middle aisle, all of a sudden her hands begin to open. Her arms straighten out. Her hip, it, it was like you could feel it just click into place. Her legs straighten out. She goes from walking to running. She gets to the front. You know what happened when she got there? It was over. She fell out. Psh, done. <laughs> the place erupted. The roof literally blew off that building. I gave you that example tonight for one reason. If on this Tuesday night in this revival, in this sanctuary, this holy place, if you would get that desperate with your marriage, your marriage would straighten out. If you got that desperate with that bondage, that addiction, your life, straighten out. Your money, your marriage, your health, it would straighten out. I wanna know how bad do you really want the oil? With your hands lifted for 30 seconds, worship him and put your press into this room. I'm, I'm almost done, but I need you now through your worship, through the lifting of your hands and the opening of your mouth, just 30 seconds. Give heaven a glimpse of your desperate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what's in this room tonight, what is available to you, what is happening for you. Man, this is nuclear. This eviscerates and totally changes everything. With those hands lifted, I wanna ask you, you've got 20 more seconds. How bad do you really, really want the oil? You can put those hands down. You can put those hands down. Keep worshiping. I want them to put that picture up of my family if they would. I'm taking you somewhere tonight. This picture behind me is, is my family. My wife is not in the picture because she took the picture. If you want to see her, you have to go on Instagram and find her. It's the best family picture I could get in a short time. I want you to look right there at that guy in the glasses. That's my dad. Some of you don't know the miracle it is that he's still with us today. I could tell you it's a miracle because two years ago, God spared his life from a massive heart attack, a widow maker. We're about 30 minutes away from him being dead. That's a miracle. Amen, that's a miracle. Just keep that picture up. Don't take it down, please, until I tell you. But as incredible as that miracle is, Pastor, it's nothing compared to what I'm about to share. I want you to take a real good look at my dad. 
because for years that was my this isn't what you promised me. Some of you don't know, most of you probably don't. I used to tell the story a lot on national and international platforms, but I haven't told it in a long time. I don't tell this often. But years ago, my father was an incredible pastor, incredible preacher, anointed, gifted. God used him in such an amazing way, but like so many other pastors, there was insecurities, character flaws that opened the door for sin to come in. When my father confessed to that sin, as difficult as it was for my mom and I to deal with the ramifications of that sin, it was nothing compared to what we would deal with ultimately because that sin opened up a door. That door was for false accusations to come against my father that ended him up in criminal court. Where much to our shock, he was convicted of crimes that he did not commit. So for years, my father was unjustly incarcerated. This happened to me when I was 12 years old. So throughout my childhood, my teenage years, I'm, I'm breaking my heart open to you because I need you to press through the pain, the confusion, the difficulty of your circumstance. I need you to know I'm not preaching to you something that I've not lived. Year after year, Christmas after Christmas, holiday after holiday, milestone after milestone, a 12-year-old boy, a 13-year-old boy, a 14-year-old, 15-year-old boy, a 16-year-old boy, a 21-year-old man, a 30-year-old man. Year after year, Christmas after Christmas, Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving. God, this isn't what you promised me. Drive a car for your first time as a teenage boy. You want your dad to be there. So as exciting as it was to finally get to drive that car, it hurt as good as it felt. This isn't what you promised me. I feel something happening here. My first prom, because I went all four years. Hope Christina's watching tonight. All the homecomings, the parents' night on the football team, the basketball team, the track team. Every night, this isn't what you promised me. I preached my first sermon. My dad watched the first time I preached on TBN in an eight by 13 cell on a 19 inch TV. This isn't what you promised me. I get married, man, that's the happiest day of your life till you have kids and you got a couple happy days. <laughs> but as happy as that day was, as I watched my wife walk down the aisle, Steve Brock performed our wedding. I was so grateful that he was there but I was looking at him, it hurt me because I was supposed to be my dad. So even on my wedding day, God, this isn't what you promised me. My first international trip, I couldn't even talk to my dad about it. I couldn't even let him pray with me before I left. We were separated. After 18 years, 
And I know 18 years is a long time. But after 18 years, God finally put his foot down. And he said, enough is enough. And he moved on the heart of a governor who granted my father an executive clemency, which is the equivalent of a pardon. In a single day, in a single moment, one signature from one man's hand, 18 years of hell came to a stop. And my mom and dad to this day are still happily married. Are you listening to me? Not perfectly married. Happily married. She fought for his release. She fought, my mom did, for our family and for the restoration of our family, for the restoration of their marriage. My father was a broken man, a contrite, a repentant man. She fought for his release. They're now in ministry with us. They babysit our kids every Friday night. God help me celebrate free babysitting. Help me celebrate it. For years, I went on platforms large and small little TV stations with a tin can camera and a lady with a cardboard thing holding up a timestamp. All the way to TBN, to Daystar, all across America and all around the world. And I would preach restoration. I would preach deliverance. I would preach that God's a miracle working God. And I would go back to my hotel room and I'd cry myself to sleep. I prayed seven people out of prison in the 18 years my dad was in. And every time I saw the mom bring the children to the dad and I would see them reunited, my heart would burst with joy. And then I would get in my car and it would break with pain because God, this isn't what you promised me. I'm putting this picture up on the screen tonight for two reasons. Number one, I wanted to celebrate the fact that this year, 2021, marks the 10th anniversary of my father being restored to my family. The devil is a liar. It took 18 years, but the devil is a liar. I said it took 18 years, but the devil is a liar. But the second reason, the second reason I put it up on the screen, I want you to look at that picture again. I wanted to show you that this was. See, you all missed that. I didn't say this is. That was my this isn't what you promised me. How do we get it from is to was? If you've heard just a third of what I've preached tonight, you'd want to know the answer to this. How do we get from is to was? Can I give you the key? Above everything that my family went after. My dad went after health restoration. He went after freedom and deliverance. My mom went after their marriage. I went after ministry. Can I tell you the thing we went after more than anything? We went after the oil. 
Yes, we did. Don't you think that we didn't try to get him out because we prayed for it, we praised for it, we fasted for it, we sowed seed for it, we gave attorneys money for it. But my friends, listen to your, your new friend break his heart open before you so you can get your miracle tonight. Above everything we sought, we wanted oil. It was the oil that I was after when I went down to my daddy's church when I was 13, 14, and 15. And I'd lay on the stage his feet used to walk on when he would preach. And I would pound the ground. And I would say, God, give me oil. I feel something happening here. Lift your hands and bless him. I said, give me an anointing. Give me a people. Give me a purpose. Let my pain have a purpose. Give me an oil. I wanted my dad home. But can I tell you what I wanted even more? I wanted the oil. I would see visions of people being touched by God and I would see visions of my family restored and I would hear God say, which one do you choose? And every time I'd say, God, give me the people, give me my purpose, let me have what I've paid the price for. I want oil, I wanna be used by you. I never stopped seeking the oil. Now watch me, because I'm closing in prayer. When you want the oil more than you want the promise. Y'all don't wanna help me tonight. I just preached to 10,000 people in Paris three weeks ago that haven't been in church in a year and nine months. I'll be returning back to Nigeria and Ghana next year where I'll preach face to face to half a million people. I have been all over the world and I've seen God touch, heal, save, and deliver. That's what I sought above anything and everything else. God, I want the oil. I'm trying to tell you, I wanted my dad home, but I wanted the oil more. Stay with me, because watch. When you want the oil more than you want the promise, sometimes God will just go ahead and give you both. I need you to lift up your voice. I want that music to fill this room. Y'all can take that picture down. I'm asking you tonight with that music lifted, how bad do you want the oil? Lift your voice, lift your hands and bless him. I need to know tonight, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want, want the oil? I need you to lift up your hands all across this room. This house is full of people tonight that are hungry and thirsty. People that are desperate for you, Jesus. And through our pain, through our confusion, through the questions and through the disappointments, our hands are lifted high. Our hearts are open wide. And our mouths are still filled with praise. We know what it is to stand even as Job, who said, though you slay me, yet will I serve you.
This is what real worship is. That woman in Matthew 15 came to Jesus. I want my daughter to be healed. He ignored her because she was a Gentile. She pressed and he finally spoke to her. And it wasn't good. He said, no, the answer is no. She's been ignored. Now she's been told no. But what does she do at that moment? She doesn't get offended. She doesn't walk away. It is at that moment she gets on her knees and she begins to worship. Why? True worship does not begin when the answer is yes. True worship begins when the answer is no. When you feel like the heavens are closed to you when you feel like everybody else is getting it but it passes you by I'm opening up these altars I'm opening up these aisles I am looking for a church tonight that will put a demand on heaven and say above everything else we just want oil I need you to lift up your voice somebody come on lead us in worship tonight team come on lead us in worship open your mouth lift up your hands and begin to press begin to press show heaven how bad you really, really want this oil. Come on, let's worship him tonight. Let's worship him tonight with those hands lifted. Let him know. Let him know from the front of this room to the back of this room. Let him know I want the oil above promises, above blessing, above miracles. I want the oil of the Holy Ghost in my marriage. I want the oil on my money. I want the oil on my body. I want the oil on my children. I want the oil. You get what you give. If you want the oil, the key is taking what you have in you and pouring it out. Every shout you've saved, every worship you haven't given because you weren't in the mood to do it, every shout you withheld because your heart was breaking, if you would give that shout and that worship to him now, as you pour, you'll pour and pour and it'll never run dry again. I'm giving you 30 seconds on your own to have church, to have an encounter. Pour it out of those pour it out, pour it out out of your spirit, out of your mouth, out of your hands. Shout it out of you. Clap it out of you. Worship it out of you. Come on. Let's sing something. Come on. Let's sing something. Lift your hands and pour your worship. Pour your worship. Pour your worship out. Pour your worship out. Come on, worship team. Sing something for us. Come on with your hands lifted. We're taking a minute in worship to pour. You receive what you pour out. Come on, let's sing something. You receive what you pour. You receive what you give. Lift those hands all over this room. Lift up those hands all over this room. Yeah. This is your pour. This is your pour. This is your pour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, this is your pour. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. You great are you, Lord. Come on, this is your poor. This is your poor. It's your great. This is your poor. In our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out 
to get ready to just take your worship deeper and that's it's not as complicated as what it sounds just do something in your worship that you haven't done before some of you have never kneeled down in a church service some of you have only lifted one hand not both lift both some of you have lifted both your hands but you've never waved them so you'll wave them but I want you to take your worship to a higher level. I want you to take your song to a louder volume. And it's not just about volume, it's about the volume of what's coming from your heart. Like opening up a spigot. I don't want you trickling out your worship. I want it pouring out of you. And I promise you that if you pour, he'll pour back. I promise you if he'll pour, he'll pour back. So lift up your hands, come on, say. It's your prayer. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath. So we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath. Yeah, you sing it to me. It's your breath. I want you just to stay in this moment. I felt something so strong, Pastor, during worship. As Pastor Karen 
is walking around with her hands lifted. I'm sure she does that in every service. That's what my wife does. She's like the spirit. She's floating all over the church. But God gave me a very powerful, what I believe is a prophetic insight. There's a scripture in Exodus 17, and this is not just for them, it's through them for you. In Exodus 17, the Israelites were engaged in battle against the Amalekites. And God told Moses, if you would lift up both your hands, which is a posture and position of praise, it's also an expression of our authority. He said, as long as you keep your hands up, Israel will win. I submit to you that not only did Israel know when Moses' hands were up, the Amalekites knew. In other words, your adversary knows when your hands are up. He knows when your praise is up, when your worship is up. He knows when you're standing in a place of power and a place of authority. He knows when your shout is strong and your worship is deep. He knows when your passion is real. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say that the success of this house and this ministry has been built on this fact that regardless of the season, regardless of shifts in momentum, when the wind has been against the sails and when the wind has been behind the sails, you have lived with your hands up. You've lived in a place of worship. You've lived in a place of praise. But the two of you have also lived in that place of surrender. God, it's your church. Take it wherever you want to take it. Do whatever you want to do. And I promise you that this church's fire will burn so bright that the smoke from this fire will catch nostrils from people even further than it is now. And people will be drawn to this light. I prophesy it to you. I prophesy it to you. Oh, prophesy it. So, when we decrease, your hands have been up. When you've increased, your hands have been up. When you've been raising money, your hands have been up. When you've been spending money, your hands have been up. When you've been building new buildings, your hands have been up. And God said to tell you that when the revival comes, it will come to hands that are already been lifted up. I came to tell you that you will win every battle. It doesn't matter what land you want to take, what district you want to go into. It doesn't matter what mountain you want to claim. God said you look to the right, you look to the left, the north, the south, the east. So I'll give you whatever you see. You just got to keep your hands up. So when you preach, Pastor, preach with your hands up. Pastor Karen, when you walk around the church, walk around with your hands up. When you cry out, do it with your hands up. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, do it with your hands up. When you teach on tithing, do it with your hands up. When you pray for the sick, do it with your hands up. Because the enemy knows when your hands are up. I'm going to give you 90 seconds to let the devil know my hands are So we pour out our praise to you only. Oh, okay, 
just, can I speak what's in my heart? This is why, watch me closely. This house is full of errands and hers. People who have been assigned to strengthen their worship. Okay, only half of you are clapping and it's because the other half of you don't realize that in order for your Amalekite to die, it ain't your hands that need to be up, it's there. I'm just feeling at home tonight, so I'm gonna help you. If you want victory in your life, if you want victory over the adversary that's coming against you, stop worrying about strengthening your arms and begin to strengthen theirs like never before. Because if you've got a shepherd that's got his hands up, I promise you, Israel, you cannot fail. You cannot lose. You have a God that is for you, and the enemy cannot be against you. So right now, I want you to shout, clap, and praise for their breakthrough, for the answer to every prayer in their heart, for their miracle, for their for their next, for their new level, their new season. Don't praise God for yours. Praise God for theirs. Strong. Come on, strong. Now I speak prophetically. And that's not weird. I'm not talking about calling names and addresses. I'm talking about speaking positively about your future. With your hands lifted because the enemy knows when your hands are up. I speak over your life right now, breakthrough. That's not a churchy cliche term. That is an anointing that was placed upon the life of Christ. The spirit of the breaker was placed upon him according to the prophet Isaiah. And I prophesy over every one of you that the anointing of breakthrough comes upon you. That the spirit of the breaker would come upon you. I feel an anointing here for the breaking of generational curses. Yes, God, I do, I do, I do, I do. That generational curse of poverty, it must break tonight. That generational curse of sickness there's someone in here you have had people in your family they've had diabetes for six generations and tonight I break it over you over your children and over your children's children it is broken I break the generational curse off of your life of domestic abuse of abuse that comes to you physically emotionally and spiritually every form of abuse that's tried to attach itself to you and to your family tonight in jesus name we say break break our hands are up devil our worship is up our praise is up our desperation is up so we break every generational curse and every demonic assignment against our family we say break in the name of jesus break in the name of jesus we shall break somebody clap and give god praise clap and give God praise clap and give God praise we break it 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 I'm speaking prophetically I'm speaking prophetically and listen to some of these things I'm saying I'm not I, I don't play with God I don't play with God I don't play with his word you'll see these things within three months I'm telling you God is getting ready to visit this house in such a wave of salvation and let me tell you who they're going to be. They're going to be all your family members that said they'd never give their life to the Lord. That's who it's going to be. I'm telling you, you watch my word. The greatest, 
growth spurt that this church has ever known is about to hit in 2022 and it's going to be your drunk uncle it's going to be your aunt that don't love jesus it's going to be your grandmother that said she'd never darken the door of a church again as for you and your house they shall serve the lord i dare you to ask god to give you your children ask god to give you your husband and your wife ask god speaking prophetically and then I'm going to pray for the sick corporately and I'll have pastor come in a moment but I'm just giving you what I'm seeing and sensing prophetically these are things that you'll be able to look back on in the projection the trajectory of your church I really believe that you'll be able to say something significant happened on that night huh. the Lord told Nehemiah when he dedicated the walls of the rebuilt city to appoint Judah and Fraser's on the wall. And people from afar off could hear the shout and the rejoicing of what was built. And it's the wording, something along this line, blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. And I wanna tell you tonight, your praise has been amazing. Your worship has been so pure. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that the Lion of Judah is getting ready to roar in this house you hear me because you praise great your worship is great y'all made me feel like i was preaching good tonight but i want you to know that the lion is getting ready to roar the lion of judah is getting ready to roar why is this significant watch me i'm trying to close but i'm speaking what god has in my heart why is that lion's roar so significant pastor in the jungle Lions are not the biggest of the animals. There are animals much bigger, much stronger, much more powerful. There are animals with bigger teeth and sharper claws. Yet the lion has received the reputation of king. He's not the fastest, but he's the king. He's not the biggest, but he's the king. His teeth aren't the sharpest or the longest, but he's the king. Why? Because he has something that no other animal in the kingdom has, and it is the ability to roar. Okay, okay, I felt that. So, it doesn't matter if it's a giraffe, it doesn't matter if it's a monkey, it doesn't matter if it's a crocodile or a hyena. If any animal hears that roar it goes oops I'm gonna jump out of that territory jump over into this territory because that shout proclaimed that perimeter was his I told you the line of Judah is about to roar through you why is this important if you want to increase your territory, all you have to do is increase your roar. Let your shout be as big as you want God to be in your life. Let your shout be as big as the territory you want to claim. Let your shout 
be as big as what you want to see God do in your church, in your cities, in your marriage, in your children. Let the light of Judah roar through you. Now your Bible tells you that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That means that COVID-19, I don't care what name you put on it, the vid, the COVID, the 19 or the 21, the Delta or the United, whatever strand it is. I came to tell you that COVID-19 is a name. And at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We speak the name of Jesus against COVID-19 and we command that disease, that pandemic to bow its knee in the name of Jesus. And if you have family that's suffering with it, we speak healing to them right now. They shall live and not die and declare the works of Almighty God. Clap and shout like you receive it. Clap and shout like you receive it. Now, for those of you who have sickness and infirmity that has attached itself to your body, I have felt this all night. That's why I've mentioned it cancer it is a name and we have spoken and proclaimed the name of Jesus and every one of you that have been given a report of cancerous cells cancerous tumors in your body I came to tell you that I honor the report of your doctor they went to school for a long time to figure that report out and so I honor their wisdom and I honor their knowledge and I honor their report I just want to tell you that I have a different report that I honor more. I have a different report that I believe in more. I have a different report that wasn't earned by an education or a degree. It was earned by blood that was shed on Calvary's hill. So cancer, get out of this place tonight in the name of Jesus. Every tumor, every cell, you go in the name. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I command it to leave your body. And every one of you that have family suffering from cancer, may God heal them now by your clap, by your shout, by your pour. May God heal them now. I speak to those of you that are suffering with sugar diabetes, be healed now in the name of Jesus. Arthritis, you gotta go in the name of Jesus. Blood disorders, heart conditions are being healed right now. Pain is leaving your body. Your back is being healed. Your knee is being healed. Your neck is being realigned by the power of Almighty God. Fibromyalgia is leaving right now. Someone with migraine headaches is being healed right now by the power of God. Someone's shoulder is being healed right now by the power of God. Many of you are feeling the heat of God. You're feeling the presence of God all over you. I need you to worship for 30 seconds and let Jesus heal. Let him restore. Let him deliver from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Come on and worship him for 30 seconds. Magnify him for 30 seconds. Make him big in this place tonight. Come on, healing is in the room tonight. I 
as you worship Him. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Come on with your hands lifted all the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Come on, it's your breath. It's your breath. Church, you sing it out. Come on, just one more time like that, church. You sing it. All the earth will shout your praise. y'all to just point your hands this way. The pastor just brought me this prayer cloth. I want to pray for a man that I'm sure many of you know, Tim Warden, who has received a very difficult negative report. We honor the report of the doctor. We just honor another report more. And as we stretch our hands towards this prayer cloth, it's nothing fishy. It's nothing weird. It's a point of contact. It's our way of touching Tim, even though he may not be in the room tonight. And as we touch his need and agree for God to heal and deliver him from this affliction, may God do it for your family. Because you have a Tim. You have someone who the enemy is trying to hold in a place of sickness and pain and captivity. And tonight, we declare and decree over Tim the report of the Lord. His report says Tim is healed. His report says Tim is free. His report says Tim is testifying. His report says this is not a need. His report says this is a miracle. So Tim, we call you healed. 
by the authority given to us in Jesus' name, by the blood and the stripes upon his back, we call you healed. And we declare that healing to manifest itself in your body in the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody clap and shout for it. Clap and shout for it. Clap and shout for it. There is such an amazing presence of God that is here. I just want to ask very quickly, I'm, I'm conscious of time, but for those of you that were believing God for healing tonight in your body, it's an amazing thing, and I, I looked this up a long time ago, the woman with the issue of blood felt inside of her body that something happened. And it's an amazing thing how we feel the presence of God, that something that no Muslim has ever, I've talked to many of them and they've never said, I felt Muhammad today. Man, the fact that we can feel Jesus is an amazing thing and it's because he is alive. So I don't want you to be afraid to respond to this. I don't want you to be nervous about it and I don't want you to think it's weird and I don't want you to think you're gonna be on the night news, okay? I just wanna know how many of you felt the presence of God on you as we were praying for healing? You just felt, Pastor, look at these hands. Look at these hands. You felt God just touching and moving on you. That's his way of letting you know he's doing something in you. Keep clapping and keep celebrating. That's God. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. I want to leave you, and let's not let this atmosphere lift. I want Pastor in a moment to come and flow however God would lead him. But I want us to hold on to this atmosphere, but I want to say this instruction to you. I felt so strong tonight that, that the Lion of Judah is going to roar like never before. Territories are going to fall. Lands are going to fall. Strongholds over regions are going to fall as God roars through you. But you have to learn when and what voice you're supposed to use. I have two daughters, 11 and 10, going on 20 and 21. Pray for my strength in God, for I need it. <laughs> I love those girls. And there are times that they need comforted and the voice of the father has to change to the voice of a comforter. There's times they need gentle love, gentle correction. I have to adjust my voice. If I've got some dads in the house, every now and again, I gotta do my dad voice. Do I have any dads that know what dad voice is? We find a lower octave that is only in the supernatural realm. And somehow what's behind our voice causes heaven and earth to stand still in our home. It's called authority. And when this church you come together tomorrow night and you contend for revival and you contend for an outpouring when you come together Sunday and when pastor's teaching you on family or when he's teaching you on friendship and when he's teaching you on this or that, whatever God is using him to teach you, I need you, whenever you hear something that you want to see come to your life, I need you to let your roar out for five to 10 seconds and don't worry, we already know you're crazy, so you don't have to worry about your reputation. But when pastor says, well, good morning, it's such a great day, and I believe you're blessed, and if you need a blessing, you be, ah! 
Just let everybody look at you. It's okay. Because you're going to get your blessing. When he preaches the word to you, when your worship team is leading you, there will be moments that you'll feel that voice rise up on the inside of you. And whenever you're hearing whatever's being spoken about or taught about in that moment, your shout will claim it for this house and your shout will claim it for your life. I still believe that shouts bring down walls. I still believe that God inhabits praise. I still believe that shouting and praising in midnight hours break chains and open prison doors. So for every prophetic word ever spoken over this house, over this ministry, over your pastors, every prophetic word spoken over your life, your house, and your family, I want you to do what Psalm 107 says to do. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now that word so don't mean like so whatever. It means to declare and to decree, to answer and to appoint. And I need the redeemed over every promise God has given you, over every promise he's given this church in this region for 30 to 60 seconds as your pastor comes. I want you to clap. I want you to shout. And I want the redeemed of the Lord to say the redeemed of the Lord say clap your hands jump spin shout let the redeemed of the Lord come on let the lion roar through you let the lion of Judah roar Give him another 10 seconds of praise right now. Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Lift up a shout. Allow the Holy Ghost to seal this moment. Woo! Man, have we been in church or what? Man, I am so pumped. I said on Sunday, we felt... And I hate to use the word felt because we are faith people, but sometimes when the Holy Spirit shows up, you feel a shift. We called a revival based on the fact that we felt the Holy Spirit had shifted things. And we've seen it two Sundays in a row and we've seen it last night, we've seen it again tonight. Listen, I'm telling you, the kind of praise that will come out of this house, the kind of roar that will come out of this house I believe that when we lift our voice, when we lift up our shout, when we release praise into the atmosphere, I believe cancer will be healed. I believe that spines will straighten up. I believe that marriages will come back together. God is going to give us, listen to me, a new level of authority. Come on, if you believe it one more time, I'm not going to re-preach tonight. But there's a new level of authority on this house that we are going to have the things that we say. Are you thankful for Pastor Jonathan Miller? 
My word, we love you, brother. You are family. You one of us. Super humbled that you came. Super, super humbled that you came. It won't be the last time. Man, what a word. Do you want the oil? How do you close a service like this? I don't think you do. I think we come back tomorrow night and continue. Yeah. I think we just take it up another notch. Pastor Eric Gilbert will be in the house tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Listen, I want you to greet a few people, give some people a high five, give some hugs on your way out. Bring somebody with you to the house of God tomorrow night. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.